0: Alright everyone, welcome to the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast with Andrew Drozdak and Thomas Bowen. This is a podcast for Slightly Above Average Football Fans, Slightly Below Average Football Fans that want to learn more about the game. And if you're a football junkie, this is the podcast for you. We're glad you're here and we hope you enjoy it. Alright everybody, here we are for Season 2, Episode 19 of the Slightly Above Average Football podcast. I'm here with my good buddy. He just got finished recording his other podcast, which is a reaction to The Bachelor called Guys Who Dig Roses. Thomas, how'd that recording session go? It is
1: going great. We are on fire this season. If you haven't watched this season, you've really got to... All right, I can't... I I don't know any names. I can't go any further. I don't... That's all I had. Yeah. That's
0: (laughs) where it goes. All right. Cool deal. Cool deal. So I am here with Thomas Bowen. We are going to talk football, not The Bachelor, because neither of us know anything about The Bachelor this season, or really ever, I guess. All right, so starting us off with What the World, then we'll do a little bowl, small bowl season reaction, and the meat of today's episode is going to be all about Georgia versus Alabama and the national championship. So first, What the World, let's go with the Michigan Wolverines. Way to not show up in your bowl game, guys. Uh, Thomas, your thoughts? Yeah, it, it, yeah, it was um, – God, what, it, this was –
1: I think we kind of felt like Georgia was was going to handle them and was going to handle that game. But, yeah, you're right. That was just – that was bad. I think I saw somewhere that was the uh, the most lopsided Orange Bowl – since 2012, which, as you remember, was when West
0: Virginia put up 70 on Clemson. West Virginia just scored again. One of my favorite uh, lines of <laughs> memories as a uh, Gamecock fan. Uh, that is, yeah. Well, and the thing was, Michigan just got out-toughed, out-physical, whatever words you want to use there. There's the famous video that you've probably seen going around social media of George Pickens looking at the Michigan sideline, giving them the shush finger over the mouth, and then just <laughs> yeah. plowing a DB just because he could. And, yeah. like, it was just an epitome of the game. Aiden Hutchinson, who you and I both have said on this show, is probably the best defender, if, if not overall defensive player, at least defensive lineman, in yeah. this coming draft, and is being predicted as a number one pick or was being, got manhandled on a couple plays. And, yeah. and it just – Man, they did not look ready. Um, They were not prepared. Georgia came out very strong. We'll talk more about that in the coming sections. But Michigan was just not ready. And I think the biggest what the world, I don't think you can have a what the world section about football and not talk about this, even though we only really talk college football for the most part. Antonio Brown, that guy lost his mind and, and stripped down to everything but his football pants Uh, Against the Jets, left the stadium, got a Uber, I think, and and left, and got himself kicked off the Tampa Bay Bucks. And I've read he was like two or three catches away from hitting some incentives. And when I say incentives, I'm talking like three hundred thousand dollar incentives. And it was more than like one. He he just cost himself. I mean, obviously he's not going to get paid right now, but in incentive money, he cost himself well over a million dollars. Yeah, and I think,
1: I, I, you know, we, we've known for quite a while that A.B. is is not, you know, whatever, something is going on there with him. And um, I think it's just kind of put the, the nail in the coffin on that one.
0: Absolutely. And it was just not a good, not a good look. Um, you know, it kind of reminds me of Dennis Rodman when he was with the Bulls especially towards the end of his career and then really with the Lakers after that. But Rodman, I think always kind of knew what he was doing. Does that make sense? Like, he oh, was, yeah, yeah, for sure. On attention to himself. And he, he was, I mean, anybody who dresses in a wedding dress and says they're marrying themselves to get publicity has a, yeah. you know, uh, out there approach. I, I do worry in all seriousness about AB's uh, mental health. Tom Brady has alluded to that. Um, there's some concern there. Uh and I, you know, it's just crazy. I mean, there, I hate to use that term right now when we're talking about mental health, but it was wild. It was yeah. wild. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, it was. I, I hope it, if it is if it is mental health, then I definitely hope that he gets the help that he he needs.
0: Absolutely, I agree with you 100 percent there. So let's move on to bowl season reactions, Thomas. The first thing I want to say, we talked a little bit about the Michigan Georgia game, and and I do feel like Cincy put up a little bit more of a fight, but yeah do my first thought watching those two semifinal games and they kept mentioning during the broadcasts that most of the semifinal games have not been close.
1: No, not
0: close. And so here's my thought process. (laughs) Are we sure we want to expand the playoff? Are we sure that's a good idea? I am. Okay. All right. Fair. fair. Now, I mean, one of the things we're going to talk about is, and I think we're going to talk about is the Rose bowl and how great of a game that was. So if you expand the playoff, a team like Ohio State gets in and, you know, can maybe get hot. And, you know, if Ohio State – let's see, what were they ranked? What was Ohio State ranked?
1: I don't remember at this point.
0: Let's say if you did an 18 playoff and they were eighth and they had to play number one seed Alabama, they could have gone – if they played like they played in the Rose Bowl, they could have gone head-to-head with them. So, it, you know, I I do agree, yeah, it – I love football, so let's just play more games. But like I guess this year, and really when you think about all the semifinals, it just happened in close. Maybe they do need to expand it so they can widen how many teams are in there and get a team maybe slipped up in the regular season and has two losses.
1: Yeah, yeah. And see, that's that's kind of where I'm going with this. So so you mentioned it and, and I'll give you some numbers here. 12 of the 16 CFP semifinal games have been decided by at least three scores. Average margin of victory in those semifinal games is 21 points. My argument, one of the arguments for expanding this playoff is, yeah, you get more teams in there, sure, so you have more opportunity for for must-watch games there. But also, it's been said in most of these models that that, um, those earlier games, they're going to be played at school stadium. So there's going to be that home field advantage. Could you imagine what a home field advantage does for some of those lower tier teams that might True. need that? True. I mean, I think that would just bring just bring some more excitement to that and would also put even more relevance and meaning on the
0: regular season and winning your conference. Right. Well, and I mean, as you're talking about having them at home stadiums, how different would that Georgia Michigan game been in Ann Arbor if it was like 20 degrees? For sure. Yeah. There are 80,000, you know, to, uh, as opposed 80,000 Michigan fans and maybe 20,000 Georgia fans because, you know, I don't know how they would work out tickets in that situation, but still the temperature itself, being out in the elements, not in a dome, not at yeah. 50 50 stadium would have an impact. Yeah. With a bunch of South Georgia boys. Yeah. Everyone freezing their tails off and like, you yeah. know, play. Um, so, yeah, I guess, all right, you convinced me. Yeah. Let's go ahead and expand the playoffs. Let's make it 12. <laughs> Um, all right, and I alluded to this already. I think, and Thomas, you can correct me if you disagree. I think by far the best bowl game of the season, other than the Duke's Mayo Bowl, and that's just because I, I love the game Gamecocks, uh, was the Rose Bowl. I felt like that had to have been the stand-alone best bowl of the season. Do you agree with that, or disagree with that? I'll tell you what, you make you can make your
1: case for the Rose Bowl, and I will make my case for the Music City Bowl. Ooh, strong, Duke and well,
0: Tennessee. I think uh, my biggest case is just the back and forth of the Rose Bowl. You know, Boy. Utah kind of came out on fire, looked like Ohio State was on their heels and we were going to be in some trouble. And then it was the insane performance of Jackson Smith. Tell me how to say his last name. <laughs> in, Jigba. in Jigba. Like that corner end zone fade that CJ, first of all, CJ Stroud put an amazing ball to him, but it was an even, yeah. more, it was an, an unbelievable catch. I have in my notes, that was an EA sports level game. Like okay. you've created a wide receiver that's unstoppable. And when you play it like the JV level and you just want to have fun and score a hundred points and not yeah. never worry about it, you could get 500 yards a game. I mean, that guy was unstoppable. C.J. Stroud played impressive too. Ohio State's weakness in that game that they made adjustments to was their was their defense, and, and you know they did adjust. They did adjust um, and got got back on. Obviously, got some stops that they needed to to get the comeback going. All right, make your case for the uh, the Music City Bowl. Yeah. So so this
1: was you know Purdue and Tennessee and. Tennessee jumped out – they were up, I believe, 21-7 at the end of the first quarter. Kind of looked like Tennessee was was running their prototypical wide-open hypo-offense was yep. going to take it to them. Um, Purdue came and back at halftime. Purdue led 23-21. to There was four touchdowns scored in the last about six minutes of that game, ended up going to overtime, and which was that very controversial call on the Tennessee running back – uh, it was reviewed. They ultimately said he was stopped short. Honestly, I think Tennessee kind of got screwed on that. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it, enjoy <laughs> watching it. But, but – um, and then Purdue kicked not the field all goal. All of our runs. Tennessee fans, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Purdue ended up kicking a field goal after that stop, 148-45. And that was – that was also – there was – 1,293 yards of total offense in that game, which is the second most in bowl history, second to the 2011 Alamo Bowl. That was RG3 at Baylor when Baylor scored 67 points on Washington's 56. That game was insane.
0: A lot of defense played in that game. It was yeah. a lot of defensive scheme work there. But yeah, and, you know, here's my thing on the Tennessee thing. It it was very much an iffy call. Here, You know, it depends, in my opinion – when I was watching, it, I did see that play live. He is, he does come to a stop. His body is no longer in motion when he reaches out. And, and so it's momentary. So to me, it's a referee's, you know, judgment call. Is he yeah. still moving? Does he still have forward progress? Um, and I mean, I guess I, I haven't remember, thought much to think about the audio, but I mean, I, did you hear the whistle? I i, I wasn't sure if the whistle blew. Yeah. But, you know, he comes to a stop. He's sitting on the ground, essentially. And so then he reaches his arm out. It, it's a tough call. I will say, I mean, here's the thing. If that's the South Carolina Gamecocks, that instead of the Tennessee Vols, I'm screaming and yelling that that was a touchdown. Like, absolutely, anybody whose team is in that situation is going to think they scored a touchdown. I mean, that just goes without saying. And that's because it was that close of a call. But I will say it did look like he had stopped moving. And the call on the field was that he was down. So, you know, I do like that they're kind of sticking to that. Unless there's tangible evidence, irrefutable evidence, they're going to stick with the call on the field. And ultimately, that's what they did. Like you said, you can really debate it. And like I said, if you if you substitute Tennessee for another football fan's favorite team, they're going to say that was a touchdown every day. And I agree. I can understand. You can really make an argument either way there. So I agree. The M- Music City Bowl was a back and forth offensive shootout. The Rose Bowl was just, you know, I, I think it's just I love the Rose Bowl. I remember yeah, a lot of I remember, history there. I remember the Rose Bowl when Charles Woodson was with Michigan playing with them. What I love about the Rose Bowl is one team, sometimes both teams, but at least one team incorporates the rose into their logo. This time, it was uh, Utah had a rose in between their two U's for Utah University. Michigan does it. They put a rose on their top of their shoulder pad, which is super cool. Uh, with Washington State that was there with uh, – I remember when uh, Ryan Leaf was in that one. They had a rose going through the w, uh, WSU on their helmet. I'm a big logo guy, and, and I love – it was just that. And then Pasadena, I think – was was Street calling that game? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, And he, I think it was him who made the comment just about, you know, if you're on the East Coast or the middle part of the country, it's getting dark where you are. And then you turn on the the Rose Bowl and it's it's still afternoon and there's just all these pops of color. It's just, you know, there's the history there. It just looks like a great place. It is 100% a bucket list item for me. Like I yeah. had to go to the Rose Bowl at one time in my life. It doesn't matter. You know, obviously the only way the Gamecocks could ever get there is if it was a, a, a venue for the playoffs under the current system and for them to actually make the playoffs. But one day before I die, i, I got to go see a football game in Pasadena, California for the Rose Bowl. It's just amazing. And it's so funny to me when I watch UCLA play the regular season, like it it's not the same. It's just the same. The first time I saw a UCLA game, and it's not even about the crowd. It was just like the ambiance is just not the same. And I I guess it's maybe because it's not the Rose Bowl. I guess it'd be like if they had another tournament at Augusta National instead of just the Masters. I don't know, but it it just doesn't feel the same. So anyway, two great games there. Let's switch to the big game that is going to be on everybody's mind. It's the only game coming up. We're down to the last game of college football, Uh, the National Championship. Georgia versus Alabama. And here's the thing that, you know, some is somewhat unusual. It's happened a couple of times, it happened to Georgia and Alabama before, and it's happened to Alabama and LSU before that. These two teams have played each other already. You have the SEC championship where they've played each other previously. You know, Bama ended up winning that big, but uh, I texted you last night. I would forgotten how close that game was at halftime, and really about midish third quarter. Yeah, it, it was the real fell cool, off cool game, and the thing I saw was that Georgia and I've watched. I went back and watched a few of their games, just to, especially the Michigan game. They didn't use it as much. You've talked about this before. They love to use three tight ends. They they have three really good tight ends um, with Darnell Washington, number zero. Brock uh, Bowers who's the freshman number 19 and John Fitzpatrick number 86. But what they were doing in the SEC Championship game against Bama, they ran like a condensed trips with those three guys out there. And for the fans who don't know what I'm talking about there, trips usually means three eligible wide receivers to one side of the field. Usually they're spread out, they're more they're closer to the sideline, far away from the line of scrimmage. What they did is they, they have them close to it. So one's almost a wing, one's on the line of scrimmage, and then one's off. And what they kept doing that I loved, what I, I love what Jeff is it, Todd Monken or Jeff Munken? Todd, Todd oh. Munkin. He he kept putting Bowers 19 off the line of scrimmage. Why does that matter? It's harder to jam him. They would do a, a, a protected release where he would either shoot behind or around Fitzpatrick a lot of times. And it made it harder for the linebackers or a DB or a safety to jam him and knock him off his route, which really they had success for. And I don't know why OCs do this. I don't know why they do this. I didn't see it as much in the second half. Like why, why get away from it? Why get away from it If it's working. I mean, I know my experience is high school level, but I mean, my coaches had the mentality of run it till they stop it. And we're gonna keep running it till they stop it. And I mean, they were doing so many things. They would run toss sweep out there. And you got three tight ends on the edge, three tight ends that can you know go out there and attack. And it was just a lot of good things there. Um, Stenson Bennett started off, he was missing a lot in this game and missing high a lot. I noticed that, which As a quarterback, if you're going to miss, if you miss high, there's a chance for the tip drill there that can be bad and, and that kind of hurt him at times. It also looks like to me, even though he ended up spreading the ball around early, even early in the game, he started the game six for six for 91 yards and a touchdown. Can't get any better than that. But even in those situations, he was locked onto his first target. I felt like he was locked onto his first read. And if that guy wasn't open, he was going to run or he, you know, he didn't try and force it. So that was concerning, even though he spread the ball around in the first half, it was still like, I'm going to the first guy, I'm going to the first guy. So that, that seemed. And also because of that, he held the ball a lot, which got him in some trouble with that Alabama defense. Um, Then you switch into the second half, of course, you know, Thomas, I you hate to blame somebody and say that he's the reason they lost. And I there's other things that happen, obviously. Whose two picks were real killers? Yeah. The, the, the worst time, worst place. First one was in the red zone, and it's he's he's uh flushed out of the pocket, rolling to his right, throws back against his body into traffic for a pick in the red zone at the very least you cost your team 3 points there if not a chance at 7. Then he throw he forces a ball over the middle later doesn't see the safety coming down gets a pick six. So that's any way you look at it that's between a 10 and 14 point spread. You know change there. So you know as much as there's there's other players on the field all of those things those two picks really really killed them. So that's not a good thing. What you got for me?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to. That's that's the thing that, that Georgia fans all season since Stetson Bennett has been in there have been worried about, knowing, hey, we're going to go to the postseason. But, but talking to my brother in law, who's a Georgia fan, he's been saying all year, he's like, we, we can't win a championship with Stetson Bennett. He said, because he is always good for one or two of these boneheaded throws a game that result in a big point swing like that.
0: And, and that, that really killed them. It was late in the game, you know, it just, just, it was bad. Um, now against Michigan, totally different defense, totally different situation. One of the things they were doing was they were getting themselves, they were able to get themselves. Monkin again was able to get them in uh, one-on-one situations on the outside vertical passes one-on-one and Bennett throws a good deep ball for the most part. It was a 50, 50 ball. A lot of times they won. Uh, the other thing I noticed in the Michigan game, they got their backs a lot more involved in the passing game, uh, that I, than I'd saw when they played Alabama. So, you know, that's another key to watch out for. So when it, the other thing about that, speaking of Bennett as a passer, you talked about, he's good for one bad pass or two bad passes a game. He threw the ball 48 times in the SEC championship. That's not Georgia's success. Recipe. That's not how they're going to win. He's got to have better balance. Um, James Cook, Delvin Cook's younger brother, has got to, he had a great game against Michigan. He's got to get some runs going against Alabama, which is easier said than done. My big keys for this game, get James Cook the ball more, get him involved in the run game, but also in that screen and pass game that they did against Michigan. Block Will Anderson, obviously, uh, you know, is huge. Um, you know, he's he's a stud. Uh, and then the biggest thing, and this, again, is pretty obvious, against Alabama in the SEC championship, they were only 3 of 12 on third down. You can't be 3 of 12 on third down with two turnovers and win a football game. Not against a team as good as Alabama. So protect the ball, convert third down, get James Cook involved. Thomas. Alabama, what are you thinking defensively they really got to to do to win this game?
1: And and when you lay it out like that, it sounds pretty simple for for Georgia on offense, right? Pretty simple. Just take the ball, convert third downs against this Alabama defense. You know, (laughs) right. Looking at my notes for for this show here is I've got a tiny little paragraph on Alabama's defense and then about two-thirds or three-quarters of a page on Georgia's defense. Because, look, Alabama – did what they had to do in that SEC championship game and handle that offense and pretty much for the most part, shut it down that night. Um, again, you mentioned Bowers, who was just a beast of a freshman tight end. Um, I think he picked up some freshman of the year award today, very deservedly. So I really like watching that kid play He's big, as fast, as physical, but he is really – from a, a wide receiving core, even though he is a tight end, that's who hurt them the most. That's who had the most success through the air, and he also bailed Bennett out a lot on some of those high throws, going up and getting it and high pointing the ball. But so, so really, outside of him, you know, you mentioned some other tight ends, but Bama really doesn't have a whole lot of horses at wide receiver that you have to account for. So, you mean Georgia? You're going to have to put a safety on Bowers because if you're going to cover him with a linebacker all game, he's fast enough where he's going to crush you. Brian uh, Branch safety for Alabama is perfect for this. That's usually, I think last year, that's who they had. When they played Florida, they had a matched up on Pitts, did about as well as anybody could against Kyle Pitts. but he's the safety you want on those big tight ends like that. Also, I think, I think Bowers is like a lot of people are probably 75% of Georgia's team has been a little banged up with some shoulder injuries, hit him every play. When he's coming off, man up, press man, you want to be smashing him. He's nagging that shoulder injury. So keep pounding him and pressure Bennett too. Like you mentioned, Bennett has, again, he looked a lot better against Michigan, but he's been locking on the guys and if you really get after him, he gets happy feet and he can sail that ball a lot. But I mean, bottom line is You know, Georgia entered the SEC championship game, leading the SEC in rush yards before contact at 3.1. Bama held them to under two rush yards before contact. So Bama did what needed to be done. And, I mean, it's going to be much of the same from the Bama defense, I think.
0: I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I agree. Just You kind of look at your game plan from the SEC championship game you know, and just kind of go, okay, let's uh, dust that off, uh, you know, go ahead and make some fresh copies of this and hand it out to the boys and let's go play ball. Because, um, you know, George is kind of – at this point in the season, you know, you get into the national championship, you are who you are. You know, you're you're not being very smart if you go out and try to be something different. Does that make sense? If George oh, yeah. all of a sudden tries to go out there first series and has five wide, no tight ends – you know, that, that's a mistake. You haven't, you know, you shouldn't be doing that because you practice it for two weeks. And so, you know, you kind of have an idea what's going to come at this point, you know, granted there's new wrinkles you can use, there's creativity and and, and formation changes, but Bama really, really put a, a a stop to this Georgia run game in particular and pressure on Stinson Bennett. They are, have no reason to believe that they can't, get that happening again and of course if they do it's going to be a long night for the Bulldogs all right uh, Bama's offense they look strong against Cincinnati Um, in the SEC championship game I have to say Georgia's defense did fairly well except for one really big thing they couldn't account for Bryce Young they couldn't account for Bryce Young um, he he was a playmaker. Again, I went back and I watched that game and I remembered him having a great day passing. He had a pretty doggone good day running oh, Yeah. And, and really running to pass, but like just being mobile and being a weapon back there. And he, I mean, you know, we talked about it when we, when we uh, did a show after that, that he pretty much won the Heisman that, that, that afternoon. And I mean, good goodness gracious, after watching that again, he should have, like he, he was a stud and, you know, there's no reason to believe he can't be again. The the big thing they've got to come, overcome that's different about the SEC championships. Now, John Minchie is out. He, he won't be playing now. Luckily for Alabama, they're Alabama and they have, Jamison Williams, who had a huge game against uh, Georgia in the SEC championship, the transfer from Ohio State. I think I looked up his stats. He's got more receiving yards than, than Minchie. Um Now, granted, I'm sure that takes into account some yardage in the SEC championship and Cincy game. But more catches for Minchie more yards for Jamison Williams. Uh, the best-kept secret on Alabama's team, best-kept secret, Sledge Bolden, number 18, wide receiver. Slade, does I call him Sledge? I like Sledge better. I'm going to go with Sledge. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> we need to talk to him about changing that. Uh, really? But he's kind of that guy that you forget about. You've got all of these stud horses out there, and all of a sudden here comes number 18, and he's sitting in the soft zone, and they're like, dang it, we forgot about that guy. And he can, he can make you pay for that. Um, then – So when I look at this game and I think about Alabama's offense, again, Thomas, my notes for Alabama's offense is a lot shorter than my notes for Georgia. The crazy thing about this Alabama team, their weakest offensive point is their offensive line, which is crazy. Alabama's offensive line is usually dominant. And they're not bad by any stretch of the imagination, and I'm not saying that. But they don't have the dominant line they've had, and they don't have that clear-cut Star running back. They don't have. After the Cincinnati game,
1: with what Brian Robinson did.
0: Brian Robinson had a good game, very, very good <laughs> game, but he hasn't been Najee Harris. He hasn't been, you know, Derrick Henry. He hasn't been Mark Ingram. He hadn't been the studs of Bama's past. And now he had a heck of a ball game, heck of a ball game. But they do running back by committee. He did get more of the carries in Cincy, and maybe he's. Maybe that was smart on uh, Bill O'Brien's part, good old Coach OB. can't believe they came up with that nickname. Um, you know, he, his NFL experience may have taught him, hey, don't wear out your running back in the regular season. He's, 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 you want him to have fresh legs in the playoffs. So maybe they were sharing the workload in the regular season to keep him a little fresher for, for uh, playoff and championship game. And so, you know, Alabama is – and we talked about this once before – Alabama is at that what I call Tiger Woods stage, and and, um, in the fact that regular tournament, just your regular old tournament, PGA tournament, Tiger, and the health of Tiger, the height of Tiger, he's going to play well. He's going to win a lot, but there's a difference between major Tiger and just regular tournament Tiger. There's a difference between Alabama of the regular season and Alabama of the playoffs. Yeah. And they're locked in. We talked last week about how they were in press conferences. They took on that Nick Saban mentality. They're there. Here's the thing. They, the biggest things I can say, don't turn the ball over because all that does is take away champion, take away opportunities to score. Don't give Georgia more credit, more uh, possessions than they need and stay focused. And not that that's ever been a problem for Nick Saban's teams ever but you know the biggest concern I think you got to have if you're Alabama coming into this is as a coaching staff is are your guys focused but did I read correctly that Georgia's the favorite
1: yeah yeah they are favored not by much but they're favored
0: what does Nick Saban have on the guys in Vegas because right they are going to eat that up and have been eating that up that they're the underdog for two. Could you imagine how many times Nick Saban has driven that home during these practices? How many times he's brought up, Hey, you're the, nobody thinks you can win. They don't think you're good enough. I mean, think about how many times that's come out of his mouth. Oh my goodness. They may, they may destroy them. They may destroy them. All right. Speaking of all of that, how does Georgia try to stop this offense led by Heisman trophy winner, Bryce Young?
1: You said earlier, you made a really good point. You said, you know, at this point in the season, you are who you are. And I agree with you. But I do think this is a time where Georgia defensively needs to not necessarily be who they are or who they have been this year. And what I mean by that is in the SEC championship game, you know, Georgia tried to play them pretty much straight up. They they didn't blitz a ton. Uh, they ran pretty much four-man rushers the whole game. So number one in this game, if I'm Georgia, is get more exotic with my blitzes and my stunts. So they were bringing very conventional pressures out of conventional fronts. Bama handled that no problem because that's what Georgia has been able to do all year. They've just been able to manhandle people with just pretty conventional stuff. But defenses that have had the most success against Bama's offense this year do a really good job with unconventional fronts and disguising, <clears throat> excuse me, disguising coverages and pressures. So later, especially if you just rewatch that SEC championship game, later in the game when Georgia was down 31-17, to 17, they started bringing more pressure and they were getting home and they were pressuring Bryce Young. I think when he was – I saw a stat when when Bryce Young was pressured, he was 4 of 11 for 55 yards and two first downs, no touchdowns. Mm. So you got to get pressure on him. Yeah. Number two is I'm going man coverage against those wide receivers. Georgia, again, in Atlanta, tried to run a lot of zone coverage, and you can't do that against Bryce Young and against Bob. They're going to pick you apart. Finally, need to utilize more of the overload and edge blitzes. LSU, Texas A&M, Auburn, they all used overload blitzes a ton against Bama because otherwise, again, Bryce Young is going to be able to pick you apart. LSU in that game would frequently on third down would have seven guys up at the line of scrimmage. Of course, now at the snap, they're bailing, but that's confusing that offensive line. They don't know who to pick up on that. It's it's really interesting to me, though, because I heard a quote from Kirby um, following the SEC championship game. He said – talking about preparation for that game in Atlanta he said we didn't work on run much because we didn't feel like with their running backs it was coming it was going to be a pass game so if I'm a Georgia fan that is a little concerning to me that he knew the kind of game that that Bama was going to throw at him and we still saw what happened so I think I think Georgia's got to get creative there um that offensive line that you mentioned for bama they could be down two starters i saw at least two of the guys get um go out early in the semifinal game so it'll be interesting to see to see if they come back and kind of what kind of cohesion they have on that offensive line but it's really just just get creative with it. Cincinnati got a decent amount of pressure on Bryce Young, probably more so than than Georgia did in Atlanta. So I think they've really got to try to get a little creative there and not just try to bring four. Don't bring middle blitzers. Those got picked up. Like Alabama's line has just been handling that, so you've got to get a little creative off the edge there.
0: I agree with you. And here's the thing. Georgia's defense, we talked about it all regular season, is the best defense we had seen. Um, other than Alabama – other than Alabama and the SEC championship, no one has looked good against them, including, obviously, Michigan. And so whatever Bama did, they cracked the code. And, you know, is it better athletes? Is it better scheme? Is it obviously a little bit of both as possible? Sure. But Georgia needs to, you know, as much as Bama wants to play the underdog, which they technically are, Georgia's, if I'm the defensive coordinator and defensive staff of Georgia, I'm, I'm reminding my team not to build them up, but to give them confidence, because they're probably a little beat down against this Georgia team. You dominated all season long. Don't don't try to do something you don't usually do. Don't try to be somebody you're not. Stay in your gap. Stay at your responsibility. To use Will Muschamp's famous line, stick your face in the fan and like it, and, (laughs) and be Georgia football, because you dominated everybody. And and, you know, you've got to do that, that now that's not to get these guys unfocused and stuff, but I feel like, you know, again, I'm not in the Georgia locker room, but you got to think they're thinking to themselves. These are the only guys who, who really put it on us. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And you can't, you start doing that. You get out of position, you overcommit, you make a mistake and, and Bryce Young will expose you. And uh, Coach Ob will expose you. So that would be my message if I'm a uh, Georgia defensive coach: is be you. Now, and and
1: and one more thing that that I'm really curious here is how you mentioned earlier about Mechie being out, it, and he went down I think near the end of the first half in that SEC championship game, right, right before halftime. Yeah. So and and Jamo Jameson Williams still had a, a a fantastic game, but here's the thing: is is how. How do you cover, okay, normally when you've got Mechi out there and you've got J-Mo, you've got to account for both of those guys. Well, when Mechie went out, then they're covering Williams, they're, excuse me, yeah, they're covering J-Mo exactly like I could with that bracket coverage where, you know, it's really double coverage with a safety help over the top. On his second TD after Mechie went down, they were bracket covering Jameson Williams, and he still torched them for a touchdown. So it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't at that point. So you've really got to get help at your nickel spot if you're Georgia.
0: I'm not trying to make a comparison here. I know I'll make wild comparisons a lot on the show. I'm not trying to call him a Michael Jordan. But there was always – when Jordan was playing, other coaches told their guys, "Don't you're not going to shut him down. No, you're not going to sh- shut him down. He's going to get 30 just don't let him get 40 or 50. So with, with, with Jamison Williams, you're not going to shut him out. You're not going to keep him from scoring. You're not going to keep him from getting catches. Just don't make it worse. Don't overreact and bite on a double move or don't try to make a big play, a huge hit and you miss him or, you know, something like that, that you can't, you've got to go in knowing This guy is—he's gonna—they're gonna gonna try to go to him. He's gonna have some success. DBs are always taught have a short memory. Forget about the last play, play the next play, and they got to do that. Because if they start getting down or guys start getting annoyed with each other and pointing fingers, that'll that'll unravel quickly. All right, saying all of that, you know, the the last time this season we're gonna ask this question: Who you got? Who you got? Georgia or Alabama?
1: Yeah, I, I think it, it's weird because uh, prior to, to getting my notes together for this show, I was like, you know, I think I think George is going to take this one. It's, you know, it's that old adage of it's really hard to, to beat a team twice. But as I really dug into this and really started looking at some things from the SEC championship game, I think I have convinced myself that Alabama is going to win this game again.
0: Yeah, I I have in my notes, I don't pick, I, I'm not going to pick against Nick Saban. I, I did it in the SEC Championship, I think, if I remember right. Uh, I think I picked Georgia to win. Uh, and he, you know, proved me wrong. Same with Bryce Young. Um, here's the other thing you always got to think about with, with these games. Georgia's defensive coordinator is going to go be the head coach at Oregon. Like, I'm not saying he's not focused on this game. He he ought to be. But his, his attention is divided in two places right now. He's being or is he he's still calling plays in the national championship, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, even still, he's had a he's had to have been on the phone with his Oregon staff and recruits, and he can't not do that. He'd get so far behind everybody else, he'd get destroyed. So, you know, is that gonna play a factor? It's just in my mind for Georgia to win this game, Bama has to play poorly. Does that make sense? Like. I don't think if they both come out and play their best game Georgia comes out on top. If Bama comes out, a fumble, you know, a, a tipped ball interception, a kicking mistake, something like that, I think that would cost them a, a victory, but if if Alabama comes out and plays Alabama football, has a clean sheet, no turnovers, makes the plays, I I don't see Georgia stopping them.
1: Yeah, I mean from I mean from the end of the 2016 regular season until now, Georgia is fifty-eight and six against everybody except Alabama, where they're zero and four against Bama. And and it, that's you're you're right. It's also it's just we've talked about it before. It's just the 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 lording over his former assistants that Saban has. Like he's just you 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 can't beat him as an assistant, and he's got that file built on you. And I just it's just it's always going to be in the back of the head.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. It's just. I mean, I'm hoping for a good ball game. I think it will be a good ball game if Georgia and, and Stinson Bennett do not have turnovers. I'm not saying they can't keep it close, but I, at the end of the day, if both teams come out and play their best game, I still see Bama winning. If Bama comes out and plays their best game and Georgia has another turnover, two turnover game, I, it would be ugly like it in the SEC championship. Yeah,
1: Yeah, Bama's going to have to have one or two turnovers, and I would say that Georgia is going to have to be very successful on at least one of their trick plays. It's going to be a fake field goal, a fake punt, or something.
0: You're going to have to pull something out here. And obviously, you you know, it's a national championship. Go for it. You know, you got nothing to lose. But at the same time – and before we go, I mean, I think we've talked about this a couple times. JT Daniels, what in the world did he – like? I'm not saying Stinson Bennett's done a poor job. JC Daniels has some success as the Georgia quarterback gets a little banged up. You know, Stinson Bennett goes in and steals the job from him essentially and hadn't given it up. They never gave him a shot in the SEC championship. Like I just, that guy's too good in my opinion to be sitting on the sideline when Bennett's locking onto wide receivers. He's, you know, after that, I'm going to be honest after that first pick, in the SEC Championship game, I, I would not have been shocked if they if they had tr- trotted out number 18 instead of number 13.
1: Yeah, and I don't really know. You know we'll, we'll never really know what's going on there, but I, I think there must be something going on there. But I do think when he did get banged up and they had to go with Bennett, at some point over the course of those games, Kirby and staff decided that they felt like that Bennett is the better quarterback. And I think at this point, it's just like, hey, he's our quarterback. We're going to ride or die with.
0: I mean, I do get that. I do get that. And, and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. And, you know, it has gotten them this far. Let's point out that it has gotten them this far. It's not like they just barely slipped by Michigan. They dominated. The only team that's really given them a game, and it was the team that whipped them, is Alabama. So will be interesting to see what they can do in this rematch. Uh, We'll be back next week to talk about reaction to this game, who won, uh, what we thought of it, and we will put a little bow on college football season for this season, talk around college football, South Carolina, Clemson, and uh, go from there. Bowen, uh, thanks, as always, for doing this with me. If you're a listener – and you want to follow us on social media? It is at SAA Football Fan, at SAA Football Fan on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find us on Facebook at the Slightly Above Average Football Fan podcast page. Thomas, tell people whatever you want to tell them. <laughs> I want to tell the people to enjoy the rest of their week and get their Twitters ready
1: because we need to petition for an earlier kickoff time for this. I game. totally agree and need it to be on Saturday as well. Yes, even better. I'll take it.
0: All right. Everybody enjoy the game.